and welcome to Creativity Conversations, episode 12. And I have the distinct pleasure of talking with my dear friend, Rob Cook. And I am going to start off by saying hello and welcome, Rob. Hello, Glad Rob. that you're here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to have fun as we've been intending. Fun indeed. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to read Rob's bio. And for those of you who haven't been on this call, Rob and I are going to chat for about, oh, I don't know, half an hour or so. And then we'll open it up if there are any questions or comments. And if not, we will keep having fun all by ourselves. But hopefully you'll join us. So Rob's bio is the following. Rob is a mindset coach and creator of the Unfit brand, which sounds contradictory, but I'm, I'm sure you'll explain <laughs> that to us. He works with clients to help them define and reach their goals by shaping a fresh perspective on life. Freedom comes through resilience, Rob says. The experience and training Rob developed during his 21-year military career creates a natural foundation for motivating clients to convert potential into something tangible. Because, quote, without action, potential has no value, unquote. Born and raised in the housing projects of Birmingham, Alabama, Rob sought to create a brighter future than what awaited any young Blacks who grew up there. He joined the Air Force when he became where he became a highly decorated combat veteran who went on to earn a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He traveled the world extensively and held several high-profile positions, including assignments at the Pentagon and at U.S. Special Ops Command, where he was an integral part of the elite security detail that protected our highest-ranking Department of Defense officers and officials. After retiring honorably from the military, Rob moved to the Los Angeles area and transitioned into civilian life. He combined his enthusiasm for optimum health with his gift of motivation by working as a wellness coach at the California Health and Longevity Institute's fitness facility, where he led a diverse team of exercise physiologists, trainers, and instructors. He then went on to become a certified life coach through Super Coach Academy, discovering an ideal balance between the mental and physical realms in his work as a mindset coach. And there's more, but I'm going to let Rob tell you all about that. That <laughs> <laughs> just let me know how much I need to chop that up. That <laughs> 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 <I> was long. <laughs> well, you've got such an interesting career. You know, I think I said in one of my posts that you may not look like the traditional creative type, but there are so many things about your life that are creative in terms of uh, making different choices than what normally would have been expected yeah. of you or thinking outside the box or finding novel solutions to situations that you were in. So how about if we start when you were young in the housing projects of Birmingham and what made you decide to go somewhere outside of Birmingham, Alabama? It was, it was a weird feeling growing up in Birmingham because it was, one, it was all I knew. And I have, in my opinion, an amazing family. So there was, there was these very high moments of, of being around my aunts, my uncles, and things like that, and my cousins and siblings. But it was these very dark moments because of the tension and the poverty and, and where we actually grew up, you know, people dying, people on drugs. And so it was this, this weird balance of this, this just can't be all. Like, really, was I born just to watch people my age die? Was I born just to be called certain words from 
a particular class of people? Was I really just born for, like, you could have left me wherever I was, you know, if that was, if this was what I was. And that kind of, along with some, some mentorship from my aunts, kind of start poking at there has to be more. Not understanding it was that, but got to be more. It's, it's like, it has to be more. A series of different things happening and not sports not panning out as I wanted them to, uh, school not panning out as I wanted them to because I made so many poor decisions in this place. And of course, everybody said, you need discipline going to the military, right? <laughs> and going into the military was so funny because it required me to flip my whole life upside down. And so it's the first time I had to get creative, so to speak, with, I got to reinvent myself because me up into 18 years old, having a hard time dealing with authority, really believing I knew everything. The 18 year old me, Nina, knew everything. Like, Are we all at 18? But yes, you know. Um, and the military was the first time I had to, to reflip or reinvent, so to speak. And I think what happened there was hindsight, looking back, was the first time I challenged something I believed true to find out it really was. I didn't know that then, though. I didn't, I didn't understand it then. I didn't know what was happening then. But again, in my understanding of life now, that is what was happening. Yeah. It was like, oh, wait, I'd believe this and I'd believe this. And I believe this. And I was told I had to do this and fit in this box or particular act this way. I don't. Okay, 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 wait, wait. I don't really know what that means. Don't mess with it. Leave it alone. Just play here. All right, so I take the military role. Dive into that life. 21 years. The, the deployments, the, the ups, the downs, the everything. Retiring. I had been in the military longer than I had actually been a kid. Like I went in at 18. I had been in the military 21 years. And now I'm a civilian. Okay, this doesn't fit. Like this programming, this identity, these set of morals, views, perspectives don't fit here. Screaming, why are you late at the front of the gym doesn't work when there are other trainers are like, dude, chill. It's just a training session. Nobody's dying, you know, versus five, 10 minutes late in my old life could have been the difference in life or death. And I think that's when it all became like, wait, I can challenge all of it. I could. I could create whatever I want. And then I met a guy, right? Every good story starts with I met a guy, right? Um, an amazing individual who, who just burst the bubble wide open for me and began to point me to a place where, yeah, I could see the creativity over my entire life now, breaking down certain stories and seeing I had to do things different. Coincidentally, where the name unfit comes from. It's the challenge of traditions. It's the challenge of the status quo. It's the challenging of the norms, right? And the boxes that we're told we have to fit in. Because where I grew up, there's a box that say me and you shouldn't be having this conversation based on just the color of our skin alone. There's another box that say me and you shouldn't be having this conversation based off our gender. There's another box that say, and we can go on and on of all those boxes that, that are designed to separate us. And so unfit is really just challenging those and seeing if you want to be on the opposite side of someone else. And if you don't, cross the street, you know, and, and that's just making me have one heck of a life ride now. So. so would you have considered yourself unfit when you were younger? No, I was very fit. I follow every script you gave me, every script you gave me to the T, right? I, I remember, um, I talked about this, I think a little bit on Might Help Can't Hurt. I remember having to get angry to remind myself to get angry at certain things that didn't bother me because it was I was supposed to have a angry reaction to a situation like that and it, it's it's so crazy where you're like oh, I oh shit you're supposed to be angry you know like having to remind yourself because you fit 
a certain demographic or you fit a certain type, you have to play this role, you know? No, I fit every model you have for me. Every picture, perfect, could, every one of them I fit. And I was miserable at times because of it, because it wasn't me. It didn't feel right. You know, having to be rude or dismissive to people is that's the way it is. Never felt right. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you define creativity in your world? Because obviously it's not, not an artist's paintbrush and it's not a musician's music, but it seems to me a lot of what you have done in your life has been to question the boundaries, which is really a very creative act. Well, I think that is what I would call creativity, challenging, like just whatever, just challenging. Being open to listen or open to receive, like having conversations where I go in with no point of trying to prove my point. Like I really go in like just trying to hear where you're coming from. Right? And um, I think we all, in a sense, though we may not do a paintbrush, we all, in a sense, are painting or, or writing our own script the way we want to remember our lives or the way we want our story to be told. And so I just, I just play with that. I really play with the notion of the idea of first, if I think of it, I always try to do it. So if I say more stuff like, oh, I just wish the world, man, had more love, I'll say that. But then I'll go out of my way trying to find ways to do it, you know, pulling up at the grocery store and watching a 17-year-old, 16-year-old kid got to load all the buggies and take them in, you know? And I'm like, I used to be that kid. I know that sucks. So it's like, hey man, I got this row, you get that one. And push a row of buggies up for him. And then he just smiles and thumbs up. The cashier who hasn't had a break during the pandemic, they've been on like nurses. <laughs> you know, the cashiers of grocery stores are like essential people now. Right. Um, getting them to look up because they've just been taking so much abuse, you know, because that's one of the only few places you can go to expend your energy of how you're dealing with the fear of the pandemic. So it comes out on, on a nurse. It comes out on the person who works at the grocery store. And getting them to smile, getting them to laugh, just letting them know everybody doesn't hate them, you know, just keep weathering this. We're all trying to figure it out together. Start doing it. And then it starts coming out in everything else I do. I, I start talking about it. I start hearing more stories about it. Not that I started it. It's just once I get to doing it, it seems to connect me with other people who are doing it for me to see that it's actually happening. You know, there are certain places you can look where you would believe we are all dying tomorrow. Like the, <laughs> the end of the world is happening tomorrow. Sell everything, get rid of everything. It's over, right? There are some places that, that have media or content like that, but no, man, there are beautiful people doing beautiful things around this world, having creative conversations, just trying to show, you know, breaking down, having hard topics or difficult topics, hard conversations with love or likeness yeah. to teach, to help, to point to. Yeah. Like, this is fun. This is this side over here. Not fitting in is great. Awesome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Let me read a quote to you that I just discovered the other day. And it says, to live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. Yes. So talk oh, about being unfit. That mm -hmm. seems to match the category. Yeah. They, I'd love, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I would love to hear some stories about your time in the military where your definition of creativity actually showed up, whether you consciously made that effort to find something different or it just appeared as a possibility for you the i'll use something simple that you, since you mentioned in the in the bio the protection teams so in the the military everybody has a particular profession and mine was security 
And, and with security came the protection of people, places, and things. So protecting, I would say the coolest thing was probably a nuclear weapon. Coolest place was like the largest humanitarian airfield that we have in Iraq. Coolest people was the commander responsible for the killing of Osama bin Laden. So a bunch of great reference points, right? But when I got to the protection teams, I'll never forget, you, you're like, so macho you're so aggressive because you're like i'm a protection guy and you're you just you just want to walk different and the first day of school you get beat up so bad like they beat you up so bad that you don't even want to fight him like let alone like and it was oh protecting isn't being isn't going out here fighting everybody protection is making sure we don't ever have to fight and it was like, oh, because I was taking butt whipping after butt whipping, you know, in class. And it was like, so I obviously can't beat up everybody who's trying to kill the person I'm protecting. So fighting has got to be a last resort for me. I got to get a little bit smarter with this. And I had started coming up with things like, as a team leader, I didn't want my team to wear earpieces and because I didn't want us to be readily identified. I didn't want us to wear black suits, white shirt, black ties, because I didn't want people, I wanted our security not to appear. I didn't want you to know we were there, invisible. Changing the colors on the vehicles instead of having the black SUVs that you could shoot from a mile away because they're easy target, you know. Um, and it just started evolve into teaching the team you don't run the checklist you learn the checklist and you have a conversation so that the people feel so comfortable talking to you that they'll tell you anything which people are you talking about the, the guests in the hotel or okay. the, the the population you know you if i were let's say you owned um, a restaurant and we were coming to your restaurant my team would come in and we would have about 50 questions we were required to ask everything from seating to exit, to staff, to you know, all kinds of things. Who else do you have coming? Matter of fact, tell them they can't cancel those reservations. I mean, all kinds of things, right? But that felt very harsh being that you're the owner of this restaurant for me to come in and just tell you what you are and are not going to do in the name of protection. And that seemed like it possibly at times could rub people the wrong way. But they wouldn't really care if somebody didn't do something. And when I saw that, it was like, no, no. I mean, like, who else you got coming? You, oh, well, we did have a problem with them before. Maybe if you want to talk to them, maybe just for the restaurant purpose, an altercation here wouldn't be good for business. And then you make the decision. You know what? Let me go on, cancel that reservation because I don't want any tensions or any bad things. And just talking to people. And then it became a thing on the team to get a whole advance done, which is the whole the packet of requirement before security detail without showing your badge, just because people were so willing to talk to you. Like you have the protection agent who will hit you with his badge and say, I'm agent such and such, tell me A, B, and C. I was like, no, see if you can get that without even, like when they go, wait, what's your name again? <laughs> because you connect with them. That was one of the things and that, wait, dividends for me to where my last protection detail was a principal calling another principal, not my my administration figuring out where I go next. 
it was the person I was protecting had, was retiring and he was like, hey, I got a friend who would love to have you. Okay. That creativity though. So that was, yeah, that would be one big that sticks out. Well, as you're talking about this, it really uh, is uh, striking to me that, you know, most people have this image of the military as, you know, don't even try it, you know, very stiff, very uh, much, you're a civilian, I'm a military and I got the gun. Yes. And what you're talking about doing, which is which is to me a very creative alternative, is reintroducing humanity yes. into this aspect of our life, which is a very necessary one. Most of us aren't familiar with it. And the fact that you were able to come up with that choice of reintroducing being human and not establishing or reinforcing a hierarchy must have been a pretty novel approach. I went, now looking back, yes. The, the only problem was going through it. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what was happening. It was just, I would consider myself dumbing through, falling step by step forward or backwards or however you want to classify it. But yes, yeah, it, you're absolutely right in the fact that um, it took something out of the norm to make it come. Yeah. You know, it took something that I did know because it's so funny that we want to hold on to what we know. But if you had a problem and you knew the answer, you wouldn't have the problem. So obviously there's more to know. And so I, I really just now love knowing I could go back to cloud-wise all that I know. I need to learn more. Like there's always something else I could see. For anything that I don't have a good feeling about in my life, I'm, I'm saying there's something else I could see. Like if there's a person that really just, if you said a person's name and I go, oh, I just can't stand that person. But I still know that's on me. Me saying I can't stand that person has nothing to do with that person. That's me, you know, and I need to see more there. Having that is what lets me figure out and be creative and, and try just, just that space of operating from that. Like, I know I'm not right when I enter into this. Let me find the truth. So how, how well did that go down in the military? Not too well all the time. <laughs> it didn't go too good because it, it didn't go too good because when it came out, it was strangled by me trying to follow the script. Mm. Like there's times I let it go through, but then there's times I choked it because I knew the script I had to follow. I remember one time we had a, we had an explosion and we had a, a few people die and the team responded and they saw the dead bodies and the sheets over it and the blood from the explosion and things like that, because the, that humanitarian airfield also had a medical center on it that, that we would get trauma people who were blown up downrange to transition. And I don't know, at this point, I'd seen death quite a bit, but I didn't pay attention to the kids. And I call them kids because they were 18, 19 year olds. And you were how old? At this point, I'm in my 30s. I'm almost at the end now. Who, this is their first deployment, seeing a dead body or probably first time seeing it. And I remember just saying, all right, let's get back to work. And me punching the clock and telling them to pay attention and focus. And then the next day, they're a little bit more spaced out and I'm getting harder on it. And I'm, I'm cutting rules and I'm being the strict disciplinary. And I'll never forget just saying like, what the bleep is wrong with you all don't you know we're gonna die if you don't focus and one of the kids say sorry cool you didn't see those dead bodies and if i would have thought humanity wise for a moment to just make sure everybody was okay seeing the dead body mm -hmm. and not just following the script that told me they're supposed to be okay with it. the script said you're supposed to be okay i never even thought if i was okay with it 
because I, the script says you're supposed to be okay with it. So I didn't, I never questioned it. They're the enemy or, or whatever the case may be. I don't question it. It's what you do. And that was when, a moment that I missed the humanity piece of it. And I possibly, possibly scarred some, hurt some, you know, whatever the case may be. But that was when everything, from that point, when that happened, everything in the military began to shake. And that was the unraveling. That was the acceptance of the PTSD, the going to counseling, the colors change. That was it, that moment, that strangling, that wisdom led to the hurting of someone else. Mm-hmm. That was like a clear indication at that point, something needed to change. So yeah, that would, it was very hard to do. It was very hard to do. Uh, and I'm so happy I don't have to do it now because it's necessary in a, in a, in a sense for what they do. I mean, for, for the, the, what is needed and required of those soldiers, sailors, Marine, Coast Guard, whatever, airmen, who are over there, there's a program that they need to be on. You know, you don't, you don't want anybody running off haphazardly talking about, I feel today as if I don't have to wear my body on. But no, that's not, you know, we don't, we don't want that. But there, there needs to also be a humanity piece because that's really what we're fighting for. I'm, I'm fighting for freedoms that make the people here in the United States feel like they're human. So I, at least my script I'm operating on should have some humanity in it, you know, just, just me. Just how I think. Well, that's very powerful what you're saying. It just speaks to a side of people in the military who I'm sure you are uh, a representative of a small sampling of them who believe that that humanity is really important to acknowledge. It may not be the standard operating procedure, but I think you're showing a side of of that world that says this is rough and we're all in it together and we're we're going to get through it together but now we have to operate in this way. Yeah. Um there as society the the military is a, a small sample size of society really. You get you get people from all over different parts and I think as as we as society begins to put more humanity in day to day you know, then obviously a kid at 18 would have seen humanity by the time he signed up. So yeah, I think as society continues to, to elevate its consciousness and awareness of humanity, then the military will, because it kind of flows off of that. You know, it's in any culture group, you know, for that case, the more we put humanity in it or, or show a little bit more love, it's going, to, it's going to produce something different and better in my opinion in the end, so. Yeah. You can tell me if you don't want to go here, but do you, was it, what was it like for you when you left the military? Uh, difficult. How so? Very, well, the, the military has a script. You, you know where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be, I'll never, I'll, this is an easy way to, to explain it. The, you know, we have wildfires in, in California. And in 2000, I want to say it was 18, 2018. So I had retired in 2017. 2018, we had the Woolsey fires, and it was big and it came through. Well, it got so close that we had to evacuate our area. And as we were evacuating, um, you could see the fire, like on the road on the side of us, right? When we got down the road and got collectively stuck into traffic, I just started paying attention to people and they were lost. They, they didn't know where they were going. There, there were people just asking like, hey, where are you guys going? You know, can we follow you? Do you know where you can get this? Oh, I'm out of gas. It was just like the preparation level was, I, I couldn't even, Lori said, hey, we got to go. And I was like, all right, well, I'll meet you in the car. And she's like, well, you want a pack? I was like, I got a bag in my closet. Like, it's a three-day bag packed in the closet. Like, you don't have that? <laughs> like, doesn't everybody have that? Like, uh, and so I grabbed the backpack. 
Now I'm responsible for getting the dog stuff. But in the military, when the explosion happens, you don't have time to, everybody's going where they're supposed to go. Everybody's very clear on what they have to do. Even, even as much as depending on what your job is, you're told if it means you step over somebody who's about to die to get to your job, because that's much more of a necessity to save the mess. Like it's broken down to that level to say, Nina, in an explosion, because of what you do, you can't worry about those people who are there. we got somebody coming behind you. I need you to get to your location. What? I'm watching people have no idea what's happening. And it's, it's confusing to me. It's like, I, I don't know who to help. I don't know what needs it because so many were just in it. It was the first time I realized I don't fit. I don't, like this is, what do you, I, I just was baffled. We finally get to the hotel. I start, I'm watching people sleep in their car. I'm watching people sleep in parking lots. All hotels are full. And I'm, I'm just walking around in a lot, like a daze because I had never understood that the civilian population wasn't preparing for disasters like the military population. Like that you all didn't know exactly what you were supposed to do when you just, it was almost like, I don't want to be one of you guys right now. You're not prepared for disasters. Like, it's like, no, this is, this is a different life. This is a different, you have to create, you have to, okay. So I'm gonna bring forward what I know. All my loved ones now in this area, they got, they got bad. They know. <laughs> we got, we got other cell phones, packed. We got waters places. You got flashlights. You got this. It's just making more aware. But it was super hard at first. At the gym, I'm over aggressive, you know, because the mission was training people. The mission came first, you know, and, and if you showed up five minutes late for a training session, I was like, you gotta understand, this is a training session for 60 minutes. You're crazy, Nina. I'm about fucking crazy. I'm crazy, right? And, and you know, people still love me and, and still did it, but they was just like, dude, like, you got to let go of the military. Like, and I'm like, I'm nothing like the military, you know. I, yeah, it was, it was very hard. And then, uh, and again, that same guy helped me drop it, that I could, I could meet the intent of what I was trying to do with all that aggression. What I was trying to say was do things in a timely manner. Make sure you talk to your clients. Clients, make sure if I'm waiting on you, you let me. A humanity piece again, right? Yeah. Uh, I just had a very unorthodox way of trying to get it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is really a fascinating conversation and I'd love to open it up to anybody who has any questions for Rob or thoughts about his definition of creativity and how he accesses it. Raise your blue digital hand or wave and we'll bring you on. Hey, Gary, let's go to you. Yeah, boy, that was quite a story, Rob. I, I, I just really loved it. And it's funny because I've only known you out of the military and hearing you talk about it and <laughs> seeing you do the, uh, the imitation of Master Sergeant Rob or whoever, uh, you, I mean, that's, that's kind of frightening. I like you much better off script. <laughs> I think it's your big heart a great deal more than trying to be on script, especially a military script, which must have been very hard. Uh, but I love the way you talked about the, uh, the expectations that were put on you, that, uh, what did you the script, you called it. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, that was a survival tool for a while until it wasn't anymore. Yes. 
until it was costing you too much. Mm -hmm. You were clearly really aware of that at a certain point. It became very clear to you. Talk about that a little bit, if you could. It was having an improper understanding of what I thought peace, safety, security. So I thought those things were all external. So every script that derived from an external source that I wanted safety, security, compassion or love from, I followed it for that reason. And whether it was being the the nice little Ursa son, you know, my mom was an Usher in this Baptist church and woo, 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 right? <laughs> like all Baptist small church in the South. And, and I just, I wasn't a good representation of someone who works in church leadership as their son, right? We can start with that script. I used to want to do the bad things because I didn't believe past 18 was going to be possible. So I remember my cousin them telling me they weren't going to let me sell drugs. Like, no, dude, you're not going to sell drugs. Like, no, it's not happening. Like, we got you. We'll sell it for you kind of thing. It was just these moments that seemed to pave a way where I couldn't make an improper trust. I had to follow these scripts because I wanted my cousins to love me. So I didn't do it. I just followed what they said. Mentors. Just followed it because I just wanted that. But when I found out it was in here, Oh, I got it, buddy. I'm tracking now. I got it. I was doing that because I thought that was going to, no, oh, you're good now. You say what you want to say. say. Or you should be doing this. Probably should. <laughs> Probably should, you know. And it's, it's just a different place to sit now, a different space. Um, same intent, though. The way that I live now is one that I want security, safety, love, compassion. And I just know I'm, only, I'm looking for that for me. Yeah. That's great. So, Thanks. That's, that's wonderful. Thanks, Gary. You know what is really interesting? One of the things that's interesting about this conversation is how much your particular brand of creativity has to do with heart and that inner awareness, that inner knowing that enables you to see a different alternative. Mm-hmm. So talk, can you talk about that a little? Yeah, it's um, sadly enough, it's actually from being outcasted or discriminated against so many different ways. So it's this ability to always want to see the other side. It's always want to see the other side. It's if I could just understand why the other side is making the decision they're making, then I could probably work with it. And that has caused me to have to get over the behavior. So if, if you were to, like, say, if you were to do a, a bigoted uh, behavior toward me, right? The behavior happens. I'm jumping over that. And I'm trying to understand what does life look like for you? What experiences have you had? What has shaped you to think that action should have been you know, projected at me, right? And if I can get there, there is a possibility we're both going to settle underneath all of the BS anyway. And then we'll connect. And, and I don't have to agree with it. But if I understand the space you were coming from, why you we're doing it, I can extend love to you as a human, right? It's, it's because I've been the black guy and I've been the law enforcement officer. So I watch these shootings from both eyes. And it's very hard to have conversations watching it from both eyes because some of these shootings, if I were the officer, I probably would have shot too. And some of them I definitely wouldn't have. Some of them were definitely just because the color of the skin and some of them were not. According to me, who's had both experience, you know, married, divorced, trying to still go to a church. Woo, hard. Trust me, you know, um, all of these different, I've been just on it so much that I used to, I used to want to write a book called 18 Labels. And it was all the different 
what's the word I'm looking for? Contradicting labels that have been played on. You know, thug, scholar, class clown, distinguished graduate, leadership award winner, suspended from school to being asked to speak at schools, substance abuse counseling, talking and helping people become sober. The list goes on and on of experiences of being on both sides of the bridge where I'm standing in the middle like, yo, we're the same. Like, we're the same. That's where it comes from. I hope you write that book. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. It's just, you know. Uh, yeah, you never man. know about these things. You don't. You're right. <laughs> You're still, right. There, to me, there is still something. And then we're going to go to Mika. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. There's something that is unique about you in your desire to see the other side to understand where the other person is coming from. That is, as you know, in the world that we live in right now, rare and desperately needed. I, mean, I think for me, it comes back to, I know I was wrong. I, I know I'm wrong, or I know the darkest times of my life, the, the hardest, the darkest, the most where I just didn't want to be a part of society. Not, not kill myself, not, not commit suicide, but where I just didn't want the life I had, right? Those dark times were the best thing that ever happened to me because it without doubt showed me I don't know shit because I walked myself into this dark room. Like I, I had gotten to the point where I can walk myself into every poor decision I've ever made and tell you what it stemmed from. Like that's how much time I had to spend by myself with that, where I could walk back every, oh, this has always been me. And that makes me not so strong on fussing with somebody about how they see it. It, it makes me want to see, like, tell me something, because I, I don't know. Leave it up to me. I fail. Like, I got, a, I got a, a bag full of stories of me falling on my face based on me knowing. So, so give me some. And if, it, if, it, if it's tangible, if it's solid, if I can run with it, I, I'm going. And, but it is because I know. I am wrong, I am, or I can be, I can be at least. Like, yeah, and that's it. it's just being, being okay with that. Like, that doesn't bother me to be wrong. Like, if somebody was to say, hey man, I, I, your last post had three grammatical, you know, errors, or you, oh, my bad, man. But you know what I was trying to say, right? <laughs> like, I'm not. You wanna go back and take that blog down and read? No, no, that's, I don't, right, I don't even know how to go back in the blog, man. Like. Just, just get over that part. Keep it moving, bro. Sorry. You know, like, I'm not, we're not playing that. We're not doing that. You know, I'm, I help transform lives. I don't block. I don't, I, I have a hard time doing it, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to mess up there. So I, I know I'll be wrong there. You know, it's, yeah, that seems another aspect of creativity is that flexibility and willing to be wrong and looking oh, at yeah. what other possibilities there are. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Mika. And Mika, if I'm uh, mispronouncing your name, please correct me. Um, no, actually, you're pronouncing it correct. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Rob, how are you? How are you doing, Mika? Good, good. Anyway, I'm really enjoying this. And I was so glad I just happened to get on the computer right when you were <laughs> coming on. And interesting because uh, also, you know, I'm an artist. And so, you know, I'm, and have done acting as well as I, I'm a painter. So, you know, always been in that sort of creative process. And now, you know, in the coaching and doing the reading process. So, and it's interesting to me, you know, to kind of hear, you know, just with your background and then what you've kind of come to with, you know, whether working with Michael, the, you know, just sort of this, the three principles and this concept of like how we function. And from what you just said about like 
just understanding the connectedness that we have, that, that we're all, you know, that we are all connected, we are all the same, that we are all kind of made from the same stuff. Yet, like, say, like, in the military, uh, or like in a place where you're kind of trained or geared where it's sort of us versus them, Mm-hmm. to to sort of do your job or even you know as a police officer i'm sure there you know there there's some of that that sort of traces you know kind of travels through from the military into also just sort of the way the police deal with civilians sometimes when they're put in combative situations mm-hmm. if you were to take your creative process and go in and try to maybe evolve or grow or transform that world in the way they work with the public, how would you, what would approach would you take now that you've kind of come out of that world and now in this sort of mindset of the three principles or this transformative um, way of living? That's pretty funny. So that there was somebody who had asked me a few months ago, how would I do as a security agent now? And I, my first yeah. reaction was horrible. So that would be horrible. <laughs> but when I sat down and I thought about it more, I was like, no, that's really not possible. Because this understanding I have is universally true. So it has to fit there too. I just don't see it yet. So if, if I yeah. were to go in, I would have to understand the intended purpose, right? Um, when a police officer shows up, they're coming into a unknown situation. So the first thing I would probably try to do is get the police force to be okay with being uncomfortable. That's probably a place to start. That for you, <laughs> you know, as a trained officer of the law, maybe your level of how you deal with comfort should be a little bit different than mine as a civilian. Maybe, maybe that's the start. Maybe it shouldn't be that you're a police officer sworn to protect and serve, and then a box drops and that scares you to want to fire your gun. Like maybe you need a little bit more okayness with how you deal with that. That would be one, right? Okay. Second thing would be a police officer is a sign of strength. They are there to make the community feel safe and things like that. And they may have to respond to something that's outside of what we consider to be normal. So I guess I would want to know how they deal with fear. So that would be the next thing I would talk about, how you deal with fear and getting them to see what I believe fear is, is just a a red flag to pay more attention. And if they pay more attention, maybe they'll see that that human being is not as big as a threat as the script has told them all the check marks that he does fit have, right? Like, so those would be the places I would start. It, it wouldn't be, and it's funny because I, I, for a long period of time, I thought I would do that. That's how my degree ended up being in criminal justice. It was, I wanted to understand the law because I had faced it and dealt with it. Or, you know, so many cousins or friends and family who dealt with legal issue upon legal. Like that was my intent originally when I got into criminal justice was to understand it. But what happened was the more and more I learned the criminal justice system as it is just a system, if I could pick it up and move it over here, is very well structured. But the moment I put people in it, <laughs> oh shit, I got a totally different system now. Because you're gonna bring yeah. your bias, I'm gonna bring my bias, and I'm gonna apply it to this standard system. <clears throat> and so that's that's probably where I would, I would work mostly in those those few areas right there. Yeah, You know, great. getting them to feel comfortable, <laughs> dealing, understanding, you know, your fear and then realizing that, hey, you know, what, what is it that we, we're going to do? Making it clear, making it open so we both understand. Yeah, I, I would think like, because when you're in those situations and you, I mean, you know, same thing with the military is like, 
yeah, you know, there's a lot of political things that go on that, that you know, make us sort of take steps we take, you know, on a governmental or mili militaristic level. At the same time, you know that those people just want to live in, most of, those pe most of those people just want to live and protect their families and have a life too. And so I keep hoping that we'll evolve the way we handle conflict on all levels. Somehow that within our human species, that we will evolve that. And I think that this transformative way of, of understanding is certainly a great thing to bring into the world to help us move toward that evolution. It's similar to what, what Nina alluded to earlier of, um, and what we were talking about is the police force are made up of individual men and women. Right, yeah. I don't have to change the police force. You just gotta talk to one police woman or one police man. Like it's not this big overtaking, uh, it's just individually, like taking it from there and going down to the human. You, let's say for instance, you see a police, right? That's doing right. High fiving them. Thank you. Reinforcing that doing right. You know, does anybody do? Do you do that? Because I'll tell you, in the military, we don't hear the way there is. There is only certain channels on certain stations in the Pentagon. There, like we only know what we do. We don't get to play outside a lot. So we very rarely get caught up in civilian issues or the politics. We don't even play politics. Why? Because we got to follow the orders anyway. Like we don't even get caught up in. I get caught up in what what's the order who's who's team lead that's what we're worried about are, are your guns clean like we don't we don't get caught up into that and and that's what those police officers are thinking about like how do i how do i approach this car with dark tinted windows but make it home to my daughter tonight well if i put my hand on my gun and i take my safety off then that 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 cuts down the amount of response time i need so that puts me in a better position but it also puts me in a frame of mind that my mind is my gun's cocked and i'm hands on it and then I'm all safe. So I gotta remember he has a son too. Yeah. So I let my windows down, I put my hands out. Not because, I, and it's so funny, I don't do that because I'm a black man. I do that because I'm a law enforcement officer. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it's yeah, a- it does. It's, <clears throat> I'm doing that because I understand what walking to a car and not knowing what's in that car feels like. So if I know what that feels like, I want you to not feel bad. That means the likelihood of this interaction with the police is going to be a little bit better. That's all to me. Again, yeah. just, just the way yep. I feel. Thank you. Thank you. Great question, Mika. Thank you. There is so much richness in this conversation, Rob. Thank you. And what I'm, I keep hearing coming through here is your willingness to question your own thinking as well as be curious about the kind of thinking that's going on in somebody else's mind mm -hmm. so that you're not making, if you're not having to follow orders in a militaristic way or an enforcement sort of way, and maybe even in that context as well, you're still willing and interested in looking at where those thoughts are coming from and how they're influencing us and whether that's really a good idea or not. Yeah. I I think it's why the principles for me just made everything make, it, it didn't change them. It didn't make them happy or not sad, or it just made them make sense. And because it made sense and, and it felt true, everything else after that 
that's the platform it comes from. So I have to understand that there's one universal life force that makes your eyes open and my eyes open, right? It's the same, the same formula for the oxygen you breathe, that's the oxygen I breathe. Same blood, maybe not same blood type, but if I cut you, you're bleeding, cut me, I'm bleeding. Like there are some things about us that are universally true, that, ain't, that connects us well before we get into the complexion of our skin or even the difference in our gender or even our socioeconomic class. There is something before it. And that's kind of like wh where I could say it would come from. It was always looking to, it's gotta be something before that. And it even, it, even when I used to question religion at times, like, well, wait, God was first. Like, it was nobody, but like, it was just wanting, not wanting to be the, the odd man out or left behind, FOMO maybe. Maybe it was FOMO because everybody else seemed to have it all together. Maybe that was it. Now that, because everybody else seemed to have it all together or, and I was the one who was off. Maybe that was it then, that I was just scared of missing out. So I was always just, you know, want to challenge it. But once I came across the principles, then all of it made sense. And a lot of extra energy, extra behavior, extra things like just fell off. They didn't even, they didn't even make sense to do. Like, just oh like <laughs> that just makes no sense to do and and i think it was also because when i came across the principles i was in search of something for my own life i wasn't looking to learn how to coach like i wasn't i wasn't looking to to see how i can apply this to a program to get more of a business following you know i was what i would consider dining in my mind and i was looking for a way to live and so by garnering or by taking it on as a way to live it seems to abundantly come out in everything I do now. You know, um, just moments of earlier, it, it happens where I was crying, but still talking or laughing. At first, that used to um, bother me. But now I understand when it happens, that's the moment I realized that I wasn't here. I had been connected. And the moment the tears start happening is when I go, oh, okay, I'm here. I'm here now. You know, it's under, and I'm riding that. And it, it just seems like it's okay to do. And that's, that's honestly, and again, these, if you ask me these stories 10 years ago, I couldn't, I couldn't explain it to me. The only reason they make sense now is because of what I understand now. You know, that's the only reason, what is it that just because we believe something is not true doesn't mean it's not true. We just don't believe it, right? right. Like, no matter if I do not believe gravity, I'm just not buying it. And you can jump off a house a hundred times. You're going to bust your ass a hundred times, right? Like it's happening. I don't care whether you believe it or not. It's still that, that fact. I think that's what this makes sense of for me. It's like, oh, you're right. I was always doing that. So this, this was always in me, which means it's always in anybody else. Oh, that is? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, that to me is such a definition of uh, a living des definition of being alive. And really present and and all all encompassing, yeah. crying, the anger, the laughter, the tears, everything is part of who we are, and it's all it's all embraced. Again, uh, usually people want when they cry to go, oh, "I'm sorry for crying." It's like, but no, what you're explaining to me, I would cry too. Like it's it's the no judgment. It's okay. If you realize that you were present with another human being, that you lost track of time and you become aware of that and it makes you cry, it should, because that's a beautiful thing. So, so it, it doesn't even have to pause and acknowledge it. 
you just know that it happened and existed. It, it's just that. It's, it's so, it feels so good to be human. Even the bad, because even that's the good, because it's me making it up in the sense. But it just, I just feel excited about getting the opportunity to just, just do it. I, and I go to bed early on some days when it's a bad day, trust me. If I have a bad day, I'm like, I'm going to bed at like six o'clock. I got to start this shit over. Like, you know, that's just the way I see it, you know? But when I wake up and my eyes open, the biggest grin gets on my face because it's like, all right, I got a shot to make this the best one yet. And and I go at it and, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. But then some days I'm like, oh, this is a damn good one now. And then, you know, and I, and I play with the next, and then I play with the next, and they, they collectively forms. That is so great. It's a, it's a perfect note. I don't know how we got here, but it's all, we've already gone through an hour. Can you just uh, let people know where they can find you? Absolutely. Your, your blog, your website? Uh, absolutely. If you can go to umrobcook.com, I-M-R-O-B-C-O-O-K. Uh, go out. I have some free things you could sign up for. Uh, you get videos of me talking to you about mindset, talking to you about fitness, social media, Adam Rock Cook. And I would just ask you, even if we don't work together, whatever, just connect because I'm, I'm kind of getting a swing of this thing and, and I'm going to let it flow, man. I'm, if, if you're around me during this time, I'm going to give you everything I got. And so, you, you know, stay connected and, and uh, yeah. Just thank you for, for me being here today, Nina, and, and thinking I would bring value to the conversation. I really appreciate that. You certainly did, and more than I can even possibly express. <laughs> so I'm so glad you came on the call. Love, <laughs> just keep spreading the love. All right. Thank you, and thank you everyone else for being on the call. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Bye.